Welcome to Cancer Informant. Dr. Anthony Maglioco is your guide to the world of various cancers. He is the CEO and Medical Director of Protean Biodiagnostics. He's a board-certified pathologist and professor of oncology and pathology with over 30 years of experience working with cancer. Join him as we dissect and discover the inner workings of different types of cancers. Welcome to the Cancer Informant. I'm Dr. Tony Malioko, the host of the Cancer Informant. Cancer Informant is a podcast that we have created to inform cancer patients about the latest advances in cancer diagnostics and treatment in language that is aimed at the level of a cancer patient. We hope you enjoy the Cancer Informant. Today, we've actually got some questions to the Cancer Informant, and I want to thank our audience for submitting those. It's always interesting to hear some of the thoughts of our listeners and viewers, and uh, please feel free to submit questions and comments when you listen to our episodes. You can ask about things that are you're wondering about cancer or episodes that you'd like to have a discussion on uh, deeper topics, etc. So we certainly welcome your comments and feedback to the website. So one of our viewers um, asked a question about surgery for breast cancer. They had noticed that there were different choices um, that some women may have what we call breast sparing surgery, which would be lumpectomy and radiation, whereas other women may have more extensive surgery, perhaps a mastectomy or even a bilateral mastectomy. And the question is, how is this decided? Why are different types of surgery used? Well, this is an excellent question uh, because of the variation in the uh, different kinds of surgery that can be used for a, a woman with breast cancer. There are several options available. First, we need to think about why is surgery being done in the first place? Initially, um, surgery or biopsies are done to make a diagnosis. So in those cases, there may actually be only very small incisions made, a core biopsy may be taken to confirm that there is actually cancer present. Obviously, it's important to uh, determine if a cancer is present before one commences with therapy. And if only a tiny amount of tissue is taken, this can be problematic in actually accurately diagnosing a cancer and getting all the information that's really needed uh, to plan treatment properly. So uh, getting sufficient material is important uh, for really properly diagnosing and and planning treatment. Sometimes after a biopsy, neoadjuvant uh, therapy is given. This is where a woman is treated uh, with, for example, chemotherapy or some type of targeted therapy to cause the tumor to shrink prior to going on to definitive surgery. Well, this is good, actually. Um, In some cases, the tumor is completely disappeared by the time the definitive surgery is done. This is called a pathological complete response and really a fantastic outcome. Although it does have the downside that if uh, only a tiny biopsy was done now, there's no tissue left for further workup. And um, molecular analysis might not be possible in this situation. So that's one possible concern. Now, going to the standard therapies of uh, surgery, why, why is surgery done in the first place? Well, surgery for breast cancer is done uh, for curative intent and for local control, meaning if the cancer is localized to the breast or early, um, surgery will actually cure that patient. 
So you remove that tumor before it has any chance to spread to the lymph nodes or to other organs in the body. So getting in there early and excising it is uh, is the best chance for an overall excellent outcome uh, for, for breast cancer. Now, the decision about surgery is usually made on a couple of factors. Um, if you're going to do a, a limited surgery, for example, a lumpectomy, um, it would only make sense to do a limited surgery if you were able to achieve uh, good cosmesis and also um, excellent removal of the tumor with, with clear margins. In that case, only um, a proportion of women, although a large proportion of women, that is, uh, are eligible for lumpectomy. Lumpectomy is, um, is reserved for those tumors that can be completely excised and cured uh, with that surgery. Now, typically following lumpectomy, um, the usual standard of care is uh, radiation. A woman may require multiple radiation treatments over a series of weeks to radiate the area of the tumor to avoid risk of recurrence. Now, sometimes um, the inconvenience of going for all of those radiotherapy treatments over several weeks uh, can be not possible for some women. They may elect not to have a lumpectomy if they do not wish to have all of those uh, radiation treatments that typically uh, go along with the procedure. Now, in terms of uh, mastectomy is used for women who have more extensive disease where uh, a lumpectomy may not be feasible. So these may be larger tumors, uh, for example, tumors that are bigger than 10 centimeters. There might be tumors that have uh, multiple locations in the breast or uh, with extensive ductal carcinoma in situ, where the risk of recurrence uh, even after a lumpectomy might be quite high. Also, um, it's a consideration in women who have a familial cancer syndrome, for example, BRCA1 or 2, or some other of the familial syndromes that surgical excision or mastectomy might be a better choice. In fact, some of these women who have definitive high-risk associated genetic predispositions uh, may want to have bilateral mastectomies to drastically reduce the risk of developing cancer. And they may also uh, elect to have oophorectomies or having their ovaries removed uh, to, again, reduce the risk of ovarian cancer. One should also note that uh, the risk of ovarian cancer can actually be modified with a tubal ligation. Um, so tubal ligation will actually help cut down the risk of ovarian cancer in a patient who has a familial uh, syndrome for that. We had a question today about PSA and uh, its use, uh, ups and downs with it, and what, what are the problems with PSA? PSA or prostatic-specific uh, antigen has been somewhat of a problematic screening test for prostate cancer for a number of years. It, it certainly has its uh, good and bad features. Now, um, it's fallen into a little bit of disfavor recently as uh, it's thought that it may be overly uh, sensitive and that it may pick up men who have low-grade prostate cancer that are not really clinically significant or important. And this may lead to uh, unnecessary surgery or unnecessary concern amongst these men. So how is PSA best used? Normally, um, there, there's sort of three categories for PSA that you can have very low PSA that's uh, below zero. There's a group that's below four, a group that's before, between four and 10, and then a group that's, that's quite high. If a man does have a PSA that's quite high, above 10 or very high, 
Obviously, this is quite concerning, and an examination of the prostate is warranted, probably with uh, with biopsies. P- PSA can raise uh, rise a little bit over age as well, so that's that's one of the concerns about what is the low number. There's been attention that generally four has been considered a, a cut point. So men who have four and above were sort of targeted for um, biopsy. And it was found that up to 20% of men with a PSA of four uh, could have underlying prostate cancer. Now, this isn't necessarily unexpected since the rate of indolent or low-grade prostate cancer is actually quite high, particularly in men that are older. Uh, The question comes in, what sort of prostate cancer do we really need to be worried about? And obviously, that's the type that metastasizes. So uh, the lower grade prostate cancer can stay indolent and may stay confined to the prostate for a long period of time. Also, it's controversial whether in low grade prostate cancer, if um, surgical intervention and other things may actually make a a real difference to it. So it's still somewhat of a controversial entity. So um, there's still a lot to be learned about how best to use uh, PSA. There's also some new technologies that are arising. For example, there's uh, techniques that can evaluate the presence of markers in the urine or other markers in the blood that may be more specific uh, for prostate cancer that is actually clinically meaningful. Uh, By clinically meaningful, we mean cancers that can metastasize and basically cause morbidity and mortality in men. So our goal is to really identify which patients have those aggressive cancers and to try to come up with a a treatment strategy that would control those or ablate them uh, before they can turn into those more aggressive types. Also, um, some men may have predisposing syndromes to prostate cancer. For example, um, hereditary genes such as BRCA1 and 2 have been associated with an increased risk of prostate cancer. Now, men should remember that BRCA1 and 2 genes can cause breast cancer. So in their families, their mothers or aunts or uh, uncles or grandparents might have had um, ovarian cancer or breast cancer, some other type of cancer, but not necessarily prostate cancer. Hereditary cancer syndrome family is a warning to a man uh, that they may actually be at increased risk of prostate cancer and maybe should have extra scrutiny in terms of looking at the prostate with um, PSA with digital rectal exam and so on. So um, hopefully that answers some questions about PSA. So PSA is a good marker. It's got quite a range because it can be lower than one and go up to more than 10 or even hundreds. So obviously in men with very high numbers that this is a, a sign of extensive and perhaps advanced prostate cancer. The PSA can also be measured over time to determine if the number is rising or falling, which can give a clue if the tumor is advancing or if it's responding to to treatments and and so on. So PSA can be quite a good uh, marker for that. In rare cases, uh, PSA may actually be negative or may not be expressed by the cancer. Um, This is somewhat unusual and doesn't really happen too much. So in general, um, PSA is quite a good marker for prostate cancer. However, where the controversy comes in is in men with the low or intermediate group. How do we treat these men with low-risk prostate cancer? Is this type of prostate cancer concerning? And how do we identify the groups of low-risk prostate cancer that could actually turn into high-risk 
cancer and ones that require more aggressive surgery at the beginning or treatment at the beginning. Today, we have some additional questions from viewers who are asking about certain aspects of cancer surgery that they'd like to discuss in greater depth. So uh, one, one question that came up was um, the use of axillary nodal dissection for women with breast cancer. What is it and why, why is it actually done? We know that lumpectomies and mastectomy are the standard treatments for women who have primary breast cancer. The purpose of the breast surgery is to remove the primary tumor and to uh, avoid local recurrence. If the tumor is small, typically the choice is between a lumpectomy uh, versus um, um, mastectomy. If the tumor is quite large, then a mastectomy may be necessary, or if there's extensive DCIS or other factors making localized surgery uh, difficult or impossible. Now, typically axillary lymph node dissection is also currently used. One of the procedures in the effort to minimize the amount of surgery to the axilla is something called sentinel lymph node biopsy. Now, years ago, most women would have had a complete axillary dissection, which means that when the primary tumor is surgically removed by a surgeon, the surgeon would also take out the so-called lymph nodes that are present in the axilla or armpit region of the patient. Now, the purpose of this was to examine the lymph nodes to determine if the breast cancer had spread to the lymph nodes. This information is quite important uh, for planning additional treatment. If that tumor is confined to the breast, which means a node negative, it is more likely to be cured by the initial surgery. However, if the tumor has spread beyond the breast into the regional lymph nodes, or even further into the bone or lungs or, or brain, um, obviously a local surgery uh, will not take care of that and systemic therapy is indicated. So the purpose of the lymph node examination was really staging, which means the physicians needed to know how advanced is the cancer? Is it confined to the breast or has it spread to the axilla? If it's spread to the axilla, it means that the likelihood that that tumor could have gone to other organs, uh, brain, uh, bone, lung, et cetera, is much higher. And therefore, um, a patient should be probably placed on adjuvant therapy or some sort of systemic therapy. Typically, women with breast cancer, the hormone receptors are measured. So if estrogen receptor and progesterone receptor are positive, a long course of endocrine treatment anti-estrogen uh, drugs are given from anywhere from five to 10 years to really take care of any systemic disease. It can also stop recurrence of uh, additional cancers in the same breast or the opposite breast as well. So, so typically endocrine therapy is used in those cases where the tumors are estrogen receptor positive. Now, if the tumor has other markers, for example, HER2, uh, trastuzumab, which is an anti-HER2 therapy would be utilized in, in those cases. Women with particularly high uh, risks of recurrence may also have chemotherapy. And some of the technologies such as Oncotype DX or other kinds of uh, gene signatures 
are helpful in determining which uh, women may be particularly at risk of, of recurrence. And uh, those women are generally treated with a combination of endocrine therapy plus chemotherapy, uh, assuming if the, the tumor is actually estrogen receptor positive. Now, sentinel lymph node is a procedure where uh, a dye or a radio tracer is injected into the primary tumor with the idea to, uh, that substance will drain into the axillary lymph node and will actually accumulate in the most important node or the sentinel node, uh, the node that really guards the, the breast and the one that the, the tumor first goes into. The idea is, is if the sentinel node is negative, then probably all of the other nodes will be negative as well. So there's really no point in taking them out. Um, avoiding taking out extra nodes can be extremely helpful because some women suffers uh, side effects from the surgery, which can be lymphedema. And this is a really troubling consequence where um, the lymphatics are backed up in the arm and the arm can become very swollen and uncomfortable and disfiguring in fact. So um, lymphedema can be a significant problem for women with breast cancer. And if those lymph nodes are removed needlessly and, and a patient gets lymphedema, obviously that's a, a morbidity that can be avoided. In summary, um, axillary lymph nodes are an important examination for women with breast cancer. It determines the extent of breast cancer spread beyond the breast. So if there's uh, no lymph nodes positive, that's good. Or if there's less than three, that's in a favorable group. If there's more than 10, this is a much more worrisome group where the risk of systemic disease is significantly higher. Really, these lymph nodes are being removed to determine what is the risk of systemic disease and what additional therapy should be utilized uh, for, for the patients. More recently, uh, the use of sentinel lymph node uh, biopsy technology has allowed uh, sparing of the axilla so that the risk of lymphedema can be dramatically reduced. The modern techniques are leaning towards de-escalating treatment, which means really taking less surgery and uh, removing less lymph nodes to avoid the unfortunate side effects that can occur with more extensive procedures. So um, that concludes this discussion around PSA. I hope you found that to be informative and um, I certainly welcome other questions. Please feel free to, to leave your questions and comments on our website, www.thecancerinformant.org. Uh, please visit us, uh, listen to our other podcasts. We have um, many up there now. Hopefully the topics are of interest to you. And please come back soon to hear new episodes. Uh, thank you. I'm Tony Malioko, The Cancer Informant. Have a wonderful day. Bye-bye.